All right, turn your Bible to two passages of Scripture, all right? John chapter 8 and James chapter 1. And yes, we'll be talking about the Lord's Prayer, even though we're not going to Matthew 6 or Luke 11, the two places where it's recorded in the New Testament. John chapter 8, open your Bible to John 8. That's the first place we'll go that we'll look at. Um, and then put a marker at James chapter 1. We're in a series called The Lord's Prayer. And this week, the title of the message is The Person of Prayer. The Person of Prayer. And we're going to memorize the Lord's Prayer together. And we're going to memorize it in the Old King James Version. And so I'm going to put it up on the screen here in a moment. And I want us to say the entire Lord's Prayer together at every campus. I want you to speak loudly. I want you to speak uh, loud enough that the person beside you thinks you're speaking too loudly, all right? That way we'll all say it together and uh, loud enough to be able to say it in a great way. So go ahead and, and put it up so that we can get started here together. So everybody ready? This is Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Let's say it together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I like that. Amen. All right, what we're going to do, the way we're going to memorize this is we're just going to memorize a phrase a week. So it's going to be very easy. And this week, we're going to memorize the first phrase, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed could be pronounced hallowed and is pronounced hallowed sometimes, but it's kind of like the word blessed. Sometimes we say blessed and sometimes we say blessed. So it's the same word, hallowed. Uh, one of our pastors was speaking at a church in uh, East Texas a while back, and they had asked the kindergartners to, to memorize the Lord's Prayer. And one of the little kindergarten kids said, Our Father, which art in heaven, Howard be thy name. <laughs> well, the word is hallowed be thy name. I want you to notice it begins with the words, Our Father. And that's what I want to key in on, and that's why I say the person of prayer. If we're going to become people of prayer, we have to understand that we are talking to a person, to our Father. So three things I want to tell you about this first phrase. Number one, God is our Father. God is our Father. Now, I want you to notice something about the Lord's Prayer that maybe you've never noticed. I had actually never thought about it myself until I began studying and praying about this just a few months ago. The Lord's Prayer is plural. In other words, he says, our Father. When you pray, say, our Father. He didn't say my Father. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Eight plural pronouns. Eight plural, our, us, and we. Why in the world would he make the Lord's Prayer plural? Some believe it's because he was answering a plural question. If you remember last weekend, we read Luke 11 where the disciples, plural, said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so some think he's answering a plural question. I don't think that's why, because when you back up just a little bit in Matthew 6 where we find the Lord's Prayer, he even makes prayer very personal. He said, when you pray, go into your closet and shut the door behind you and say to your Father, pray to your Father, and the Father who is in secret will reward you openly. So he makes it very personal. And it doesn't in any way take away the personal aspect that we all can have a personal relationship with God. But what the plurality does reminds us that we're part of a family, that we're part of the family of God. We are born into a family and we are born again into a family. I think it takes the me, my, and mine out of our prayers. And it puts the our, us, and we in our prayers. In other words, it reminds us that when we pray, we pray for others' needs as well, not just my needs. It forces me to see that I am part of a family. Ephesians 3 verses 14 and 15 says it this way, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, of our, pardon me, our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. When I say the family of God, I'm not simply speaking of Gateway Church, although we're a family within the family. I'm talking about the body of Christ. We understand that we are part now of the body of Christ and we're part of the family of God. It also brings this scripture to life to me, Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you, if two of you agree on earth, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven concerning anything that they ask, notice the plurality again, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Our Father, which art in heaven, which art in heaven reminds us that he is sovereign that he is Lord of all. He is above the earth, and therefore he is Lord of the earth. He is our Father, and he is over all. He is over all, he sees all, and he is Lord of all, and therefore I can relax and talk to the one in heaven about this situation. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed only appears in the New Testament twice uh, as far as being translated this way. Matthew 6 and Luke 11, both the Lord's Prayer. And yet the Greek word is in the New Testament about 30 times. 26 times it's translated sanctify. The best way to understand hallowed means sanctify thy great name. Sanctify thy name. All through the Bible, the Hebrew, the Greek, Greek and the New and the Hebrew and the Old are very similar in that the Hebrew is translated hallowed or hallowed sometimes. Most of the time, though, it's translated sanctified. And it's always used in relationship to showing us the opposite of the profane. Let me tell you what it means, hallowed be thy name. It means that God is set apart. This is the word sanctified. It means that he is set apart from all evil in your life. 
This is very, very important to understand. He is not set apart from us because he sent his son to bridge that gap, but he is set apart from evil in your life. It's very important as as we develop this theme throughout this message, you're going to understand why I'm going to drive so hard on this because we have to understand that our Father is not causing the evil that's in our life. He is apart from the profane that is in our life. Most of the time when you see the word hallowed or sanctified in the Old Testament, you'll also see the word profane. Leviticus 22 verse 32 says, you shall not profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed set apart among the children of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies or sets you apart. By the way, in this verse, hallowed and sanctifies are the same Hebrew word. They're the exact same. So God wants to set us apart from the bad and the evil that's happening in us. And here's what we need to understand. This theme, our Father, Jesus tells us about two fathers. And I wanna make it very, very clear today that there is a bad father and a good father, and that every one of us start out with the bad father, but when we accept Christ, the good father becomes our father. It's important for us to understand this because many times when, when I say, let's pray our father, many, many people don't have a good image in their minds of the father. And so all of a sudden we say, let's talk to our Father, and and subconsciously, many people because of hurts and wounds are thinking, I don't wanna talk to the Father about it. You, You don't understand what kind of Father I had. Please understand there are two fathers in Scripture, and anything that you saw in your Father that was good, he got from God, and everything you saw in your earthly Father that was bad, he got from Satan, the other Father. Many of us, even when you think of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, many of us have a negative connotation in our mind about the Father. And just to be honest about it, many people think that the Father, out of the three, the Father is the mean one. And the Son is the nice one. And of course, the Holy Spirit is the weird one. So we all know that. So. And I, I, I don't mean that derogatorily toward the Holy Spirit at all. You know I don't believe that. I, I've preached on that, written books on that, and the Holy Spirit is not weird. People, however, are weird. <laughs> <clears throat> there are some weird people, and, and I, like Michael Jr. says, if you didn't laugh at that, <laughs> maybe you're the weird one. <clears throat> all right. So. God is our Father, but to understand the Lord's Prayer, we have to understand we're talking to a person, and we need to understand a little bit about that person. So let me tell you number two where I want to go. Number two, Satan is the bad father. Satan is the bad father. Look look at John chapter 8 now, verses 38 through 44. John 8, verse 38. This is Jesus speaking. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. 
you do the deeds of your father. I want you to notice this is Jesus talking to people. Your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. Now watch 44 carefully. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father, you want to do. He was a murderer. Notice the two things he tells us about him. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is, watch these words carefully, no truth in him. There's no truth in Satan. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Okay, here's a couple of things that, that Jesus tells us about the two fathers. He talks about his father, and he talks about Satan as a father. And he's talking to people who are unredeemed, and he said, let me tell you who your father is. Your father is not God, your father is the devil. And you do what you see your father doing. And let me tell you two things about your father. He's a murderer. Can I tell you something about Satan? And this is why we have to take it seriously, like I said last weekend. He wants to kill you. He, he is stalking you and your family. Uh, he is going around like a lion looking after his prey. And he's trying to kill you. He's trying to murder you. He's trying to murder your children. He's trying to murder your family, your job, your health, your finances, your career, your future, your family, and your hopes. He's trying to murder you. And second thing is, he's a liar. Yeah, and let me tell you how you know, by the way, if Satan is lying, lying if his lips are moving. He's lying, and some of you might think, well, I can't see his lips moving. Well, he puts thoughts in our minds. That's where the warfare is, the Bible tells us. So let me tell you how you know. If there is a thought in your mind that contradicts God's word, it's a lie from Satan. If you have a thought that God doesn't love me, or God, God is mad at me, or God has not forgiven me, that's a lie. That is a lie. God has already taken care of your sin. It's a big doctrinal word called propitiation. It means that all of God's wrath was satisfied through Jesus Christ on the cross. God is not angry with you. He is not angry with you and he loves you and he has forgiven you. The question is, have you received his forgiveness and forgiven yourself? But God's forgiven you. God loves you. God is not angry with you and Satan is always lying to us. I remember one time this, uh, a friend of mine called me on the phone and, and started chewing me out for something he had heard that I had said about him. And he chewed me out for about five minutes and we got to the end of the conversation and um, I said, well, um, I agree with everything you said except one part. He said, which part? I said, the whole part. <laughs> I said, here's the reason why. It's a lie. I did not say what you think I said. I didn't say it. And we talked about it for a while, and then I said to him, uh, who told you this? And he told me, and I said, um, isn't this a guy that's, that's uh, not really walking with God? The, uh, a guy that really is an enemy of God and an enemy of the cross that told you this? And I thought, as I thought about this, listen to what was, he was doing. He was chewing out a friend 
because his enemy had told him a lie. This is what many people call prayer. Think about how many times in our prayer time we're chewing out our friend because our enemy told us a lie about him. So you need to understand, Satan's the bad father. And here, here's number three, God is the good father. Satan is the bad father, God is the good father. Now, James chapter three, verse one, hopefully you have a marker there. James chapter three, verse one. Ver, uh, verse, chapter one, verse 13. Let no one say, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. Now these two words for tempted are the same word in the Greek, they mean enticed. But the next time you see the word tempted, it's a different word in the Greek. For God cannot be tempted by evil. These words cannot be tempted by evil, that's all one Greek word by the way, all of that. We see it as five words, it's all one Greek word. God cannot be tempted by evil. Does it mean can't be enticed? I'll tell you what it means in a moment. Nor does he himself tempt or entice anyone. But each one is tempted, enticed, when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Same word, tempted. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Remember this word phrase, Father of lights, with whom there is no variation. Remember that word, variation, or shadow of turning. Now here's what this is saying. It's saying very clearly, don't be deceived. Everything evil in your life did not come from God because God cannot be evil. This word cannot be tempted by evil is one word again in the Greek, and here's what it means literally. It means that he cannot even be touched by or approached by or even in close proximity to evil. There is absolutely no evil in God. And he's trying to make that clear to say, listen, if there's something in your life that's evil, it's because you were drawn away by your desires. And we know who the tempter is, the tempter is Satan. Satan took a desire that you had, turned it the wrong way, and drew you away into sin, and sin's gonna lead to death. But it wasn't God that did it. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians tells us this, that God will with every temptation provide a way of escape, and he will not even allow us to be tempted above that which we're able. That's God, God's a good God. So we have to get to that place that we understand Satan is bad, God is good. And what we have in our life right now that's bad or evil did not come from God. Every good gift we have came from God. Every evil thing in our life came from Satan. Let, let me give you uh, the foundation of my entire theology. Right here, I can give it to you in four words, all right? And don't ever forget these four words. If you had this as your foundation, I promise it'll help you a lot. Here's the foundation in four words of all of my theology. You ready? God, good. <laughs> Satan, bad. <laughs> there you go. And that right there would help a whole lot of theologians today. God, good, Satan, bad. 
Here's the reason I'm telling you this. Why would you talk to a person that you think actually caused the problems you have? And a lot of people feel that way. Well, I don't want to talk to him. He's the whole reason I'm in this fix. No, you've got yourself in that fix. He's the whole reason you can get out of that fix. Prayer is talking to the good father about what the bad father did to you. That's what prayer is. Prayer is saying, God, I got messed up and I got to listening to the bad father and I'm all messed up now, but you're the good father. And here's the other thing. When you talk, when you're in prayer and you're talking about this, you get to tell on the devil. <laughs> Let me tell you what he did to your son, father. And I need your help against him. Psalm 119, verse 68. Here's a great verse to mem memorize. It's really easy. You are good and do good. <laughs> That's good theology there. God is good and does good. Yeah, but I got this. Okay, God didn't do that. That wasn't good. Here's the other thing that good, good theology. He can even turn it for good. He didn't do it, but he's so good, he can make it good. And he is the father of lights. Some, some commentaries say that he's, this, this is crazy. Sometimes you read a commentary and you think that's good. Other times you think, that guy, I don't know what he's smoking. But <laughs> some commentaries say that this phrase refers to, the, the lights refer to stars. That he's the father of the stars. He's the creator of the stars, but he didn't, he's not the father of the stars because stars don't have souls. Let me tell you what it means when it says he's the father of lights. I'll read you one scripture and you see if you can figure out. Philippians 2:15 says that you may become blameless and harmless, children, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. <laughs> he's the light and we're little lights. When it says he's the father of lights, it means he's our father. And there's no variation. This word variation uh, in, the, in the Greek, it's the only time it's used in the whole New Testament and obviously the whole Bible. But when I say Greek, that's the New Testament. The only time it's in the Bible, variation. It means there is not even the possibility that God could ever turn away from being good because he is good. It's who he is. And here's the reason I'm saying this. The Lord's Prayer begins with these two words, our Father. Yet in my opinion, every bondage in our lives, every bondage has at its root a father wound. We react out of a rejection that we're born with because we are born rejected from God because of sin. We are born again accepted by God. But we have father wounds in all of us from our, either our own father, who might have been a great father, and yet we have some sort of father wound. I know people who had uh, great fathers, yet they still never felt they could live up to him. Did, did you know that every human being gets his or her affirmation from fathers? Every human being. Uh, little boys get their affirmation from their father. When they look up at the stands at the game, they don't care who else's father's there. They don't know if their father's there. 
Little girls get their affirmation from dad. Little girl can come out in a new dress and the mother say, oh, that's so pretty, that's so pretty, that's so pretty, oh, you are so pretty. But when dad comes home from work and says, you are the prettiest little girl on earth, now she got affirmed. Boys get their affirmation from fathers, girls get their affirmation from fathers, women still get their affirmation from father figures in their lives. And men still get their affirmation, grown men, from a father figure, a father. And because we didn't get it on this earth, it's difficult many, many times to say our father. But Jesus said, listen, when you pray, you say our father. John 14, 15, and 16, his discussion at the Last Supper was from now on, you can talk to the Father. You ask the Father anything in my name and he'll give it to you. You need to be able to talk to the Father. It's amazing how the Old Testament refers to him as the Father of all and the Great Father, but doesn't refer to him as our Father. And Jesus comes in in the very beginning of his ministry and they said, Lord, teach us pray. So the first thing you need to figure out is that he's our Father. Now I want to show you something again about this word our that I think it goes deeper than mine and yours, all right? Uh, uh, John 20, this is after the resurrection, and Jesus is talking to Mary in the garden. And in verse 17, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my, my Father. But go to my brethren, watch this, my brothers, my brothers, and say to them, I am ascending to my Father, watch, and your Father, your Father, to my God and your God. Okay, I'm, I'm, you go tell my brothers that I'm going to Dad. I'm going to our Dad. Is it possible that the our in, in the Lord's Prayer actually doesn't simply refer to us, it refers to Jesus and us? And Jesus said, listen, when you talk to dad, you make sure you start by saying, our father. So when I come to the Lord, I say, our father. And don't forget who my brother is. My brother is the one that died so I could talk to you. This is this, my brother, dad. Oh, and by the way, dad, we're close. Just want you to remember, we're, we're, we're buddies. Our Father. Listen, I have been reminded this summer that I can talk to my dad about my problems. And prayer is conversation. It's just talking to your dad. You don't have to get all worked up about it. Just go talk to your good father. And if you don't have good memories of an earthly father, listen to me, you've been adopted by a new father. And there is no shadow of turning in him. There's no variation and there's no evil in him. No evil. He has only good thoughts for you. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is talking to our Father. There is no reason to remain unhealed from a father wound. I can't tell you how many times that I've been trying to help people and it gets down to the bottom line that they will refuse help because they do not want to be healed from a father wound. And God can heal you from that father wound. I had a great father growing up, a fantastic father. 
but he wasn't perfect. And Satan can try to get me to focus on the few minor things in his life that he might have still been working through. But I have a great father on earth, but I have a great father in heaven. Um, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. My father owned a company when I was growing up, and during the summers I worked for his company. And one summer I was, uh, it was the first day of the summer, so I came in and there was a new foreman there, and he didn't know who I was. And we were sitting in this construction trailer uh, around lunchtime, we all had our little sandwiches out, you know, and my dad drove up, and the guy, the new foreman, looked out the window and saw my dad, and he said, well, here comes Mr. Big. And uh, I said, Who, who's Mr. Big? And he said, oh, JP. My dad's initial is JPM. And uh, so he said, oh, JP. He said, he thinks he's in charge, but actually I run things around here. <laughs> and about that time, my dad stuck his uh, head in the door and he said hi to everybody. And then he looked at me and he said, hey, son, do you want to go to lunch? Have you ever seen color drain from a person's face? And I said, yes, Dad. I'd love to go to lunch. He said, all right, I'll meet you at the car. And he headed back to the car, and I got up, and I went over to the door. Now, I was a little smart alecky as a teenager. But I turned to this new foreman, and I said, um, I don't call him Mr. Big. I call him Dad. And by the way, everything you see around here, he owns. And you may think you run things, but he's the one really in charge. Let me tell you what the Lord's Prayer reminds me of. Everything you see around here, my daddy owns it. And you may think that someone else is in charge, but he's really running things. Our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Lord saying to you? I want you to ask the Lord specifically if there is any residual or residue of a father's wound still in you. Harsh words, difficulties, maybe some, some, many, many, many have even been abused by a father or a father figure. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry if that's the case with you. But I want you to know that was not God. That's the bad father. That's the murderer and the liar working through a human to try to murder your future. But the good father gave his own son for you. He loves you. He wants to redeem your life, redeem your past, and redeem your future. We wanna help you, we wanna pray with you. If you need healing in this area, we wanna pray with you. Or if you have a need in any area of your life, we wanna pray for you. We close all of our services with one last worship song. Our, our services are not long. They're just an hour, about an hour five, maybe an hour 10. And this last worship song is important. 
It's very, very important because God is ministering to some, some people individually. And I don't want you to ever be embarrassed to come for prayer because we all need prayer. We all need prayer. You're, you're not the, a big bad person because you need prayer because every person in here needs prayer. We all need prayer. And if two of you will agree, if two of you will agree, it will be done by my Father, our Father in heaven. So no matter which campus you're attending, if you need prayer, here's what we're going to do. And I'm going to pray. And after I pray, we'll stand at all of our campuses. We'll have one more worship song. We ask that no one leave during this time unless you have an emergency. And if you're not, if you don't need to come for prayer for something specific today, I want you to worship. I want you to enter in to worship and allow the presence of God to minister to someone else. But if you need prayer for any area of your life, you don't have to be a member of Gateway Church. If you need prayer for any area, as soon as we stand up at every campus and even in the overflow room, you just step out, come to the front, and we're gonna pray for you. If you're in the second level at the South Lake campus, we have, we have leaders by every exit. So we'll know if you're heading toward the exit, you're not leaving, that you're going to talk to someone for prayer. We know that. So if you need prayer in any area of your life, as soon as we stand, you just step out and come and let us pray for you, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person that has any prayer need, Lord, and especially those that need healing from a father wound. In Jesus' name, amen.